Welcome to the Table Leadership Podcast, where everyone is invited to pull up a seat, and all leaders have a voice to contribute to the conversation. We're glad you could join us today. And now, your host, Sian Edgerton. In that case, I've got all sorts of questions. No, I'm kidding. Um, well, thank you so much again, just for being here and for taking the time. And as we're kicking off, um, would love for you to just introduce yourself to our listeners. I am super, super excited to have you here. I think we met, how long have you known Freddie now? Oh gosh, uh, a long time. Uh, yeah. I would say probably maybe 2008. Right, so- okay. Like that? Yeah. Been a while. And you started coming down to Virginia from Chicago to do leadership development with our staff when I was still on staff. So that's been at least, what, four or five years now. Yeah, I think so, yeah. You've been doing that. And so that's the context in which we met is you came because you knew Freddie and you came down to do some leadership development. And um, for us, it was, you know, like Moses himself coming <laughs> down from the mountain with all of his wisdom. And, and I say that jokingly, but seriously, you made such a major impact on our team and our staff and our church, um, but especially on me and, and my leadership. There are some things that you said to me, um, two specific things that I remember um, that I'll share real quick and then I'll let you introduce yourself. But these are two things that I still to this day continue to invest in other leaders. And I, and I, you know, tell people, um, and one of them, and I don't even know if you remember sharing these things, but one of them, you talked about, um, hobbies, you talked about rest and time and, and our mental health and things like that. And you talked about how leadership is, um, it's, it it doesn't really turn off. It's not something that you just get to clock out of at the end of the day. And you talked about, um, having something that has an end end goal, something that you can complete and finish and be done with. Um, and so that actually inspired me. I crochet now, thanks to you. <laughs> I have these little projects that I can do and finish and feel like I actually completed something because so much of our leadership is ongoing. So that was one thing that you said. Do you remember saying that? I don't. You don't? <laughs> I think at the time you, I remember you talking about you guys were doing some projects on your house or something, but you talked about how good and healthy it was to have something that we could, you know, end and clock out of at the end of the day. Um, And so that was one thing. And then the other thing was simplifying. You talked so much about just simplifying life. You know, you said I pretty much wear the, not the same clothes every day, but obviously, you know, you had the same style, you made it easy, you eat the same thing for breakfast, because we have so much taking up our mental space and our mental capacity that we need to simplify as much as we possibly can. And so anything that can be simplified, anything that can be unchanging, anything that can be part of our regular rhythms and routines, you said, do it simplify it so that your mental capacity can be saved for the really important things. And gosh, those two pieces of advice have stuck with me and have really transformed my leadership. Well, I'm, I'm grateful for that. I am. Um, I, I remember my time talking to you and being so impressed with you just with the hunger and appetite that you had Mm. and also how quickly you were able to get things and, and, and lead out of it was very impressive. 
Mm, I'm sure you. you are are seeing that where you are, and I'm I'm confident that San Francisco will never be the same again. <laughs> for better or for worse. No, thank you. That's really generous of you to say. It's a lot of it is in part to your leadership. So I appreciate that. So now that I have, you know, got to talk you up a little bit, um, take a second and just introduce yourself for us. Let everybody know who you are, what you do, where you're from, and anything else that you feel would be pertinent to share. Sure. Uh, my name is Scott Chapman. Uh, I am the senior pastor of the chapel in Chicago and, uh, I enjoy seeing the broader body of Christ uh, grow and thrive. And so mm-hmm. I, I get a chance to do that on a, on a regular basis. And honestly, I'm thrilled to be here uh, with you. And so I, I love talking leadership and I'm excited to see where that goes. Awesome. Me too. So the first question that I have for you is technically not very leadership related, um, but it is one that I ask everybody and it gives us a little, little more insight into who Scott Chapman is. Sure. Um, so my question, my first question for you is this. And I ask everybody this, if we were together right now, uh, you and I, not virtually, but we were live in a room gathering leaders around a table, like you have so often done when I was on staff at FLC, you know, come and gathered around the table to talk leadership development and to pour in and invest in them. What would you be feeding them? What is the, the one thing that you make or your favorite meal? If we were gathering a bunch of leaders, what would be on the table? Oh, uh, that's easy. Cincinnati chili. Okay. Tell me about that. What does that mean? Yeah. It's super cool. It's a pasta dish. You take pasta and you take uh, your favorite chili and put it over the pasta. And then you have uh, different toppings that you can put on that. So you can make it very personal. And it's kind of fun because it's comfort food. It's fun because it's personal and it's uh, super easy to do. And it's kind of sloppy. And so you kind of get to know people. Uh, <laughs> when you eat it, so you can't just eat it. You have to kind of experience it, and so the- okay. <laughs> so, so you would not probably recommend the Cincinnati chili as a first date food. No, no, I think that's <laughs> going to be too revealing. So, yeah, you want to keep some of the mystery. That's great. I have, I have honestly never heard of it before. What type of pasta, though? Any? Uh, it can be, it can be what you want it to be. Normally, it's spaghetti. Normally, it's a spaghetti okay. uh, pasta, and it's just, it's a football food. Like normally. Uh, if you're going to watch football, uh, uh-huh. in the West, that's a, that's a staple that you, you would do, but it's, it's messy okay. and fun uh-huh. and, uh, very, very, uh, unique. I, yeah. I've never, never heard of that before. And I also, I have to say, I think that's probably the fastest that anyone has ever answered that question without being prepared. You know, I don't prepare people for it. I just ask it. And usually there's some thinking that has to occur. So I'm, I'm really impressed. This must be like a really near and dear to your heart meal. Yeah, it's, uh, you know what, it's one of those things where every chance I get, that's what I'm going to, that's what I'm going to have with people. So <laughs> that's awesome. Well, that's now on my bucket list. I need to have Cincinnati chili with Scott Chapman. And we will make that happen. That's great. I love it. Um, so that then of course leads me to the real question that I want to talk about today is what is it that you bring to the leadership table? If you could pick one particular tool or piece of expertise, what would that be in this season? Yeah. In, and and I, I, w- I would say a couple of things. I, th- I think normally when I'm asked to join a leadership table, um, normally I'm there because of the relationships that I hold or the relationships that I can foster. Mm-hmm. And so in that, um, I think as I, particularly as I have uh, grown over the years, um, I have realized it's way more important who we are than what we do. Yeah. 
And so um, I think that when the leadership table forms, um, if it forms around what we do, it's going to be productive and it's going to be good. But if it can form around who we are with Jesus at the center of that, mm-hmm. it becomes something that's really transformational. Um, and so from a leadership uh, standpoint, um, I, I kind of bring a, a holistic perspective to that. Uh, that's born clearly out of church leadership, but it's also something that I think uh, fits way beyond that. And it's kind of a, a kingdom leadership model that mm-hmm. often that I look to try to reproduce uh, in the things that I that I lead uh, in and, in and around that. So I would say those two things. I think really trying to bring a relational dynamic, yeah, and from there uh, be able to introduce what I would think would be a leadership. Um, I wouldn't call it a model. I just say it a paradigm that mm-hmm. we can agree to that helps us actually do the things we want to do. So let me ask you this. What does it look, because you talked so much about relationships and and I've experienced that personally. I mean, you serve at a, you lead and serve at a huge capacity with the church in Chicago. Um, But I have always experienced not only such a deep, profound humility from you, but also authentic and real relationship that, I mean, it started from the very first time that I met you and it continues today. And the thing that strikes me about that is how easy it is to be task oriented in leadership and also how easy it is to feel like I don't have time for the relational aspect of things. I just don't have the capacity. So especially from, for you, someone who leads at such high levels, what, how, how do you maintain capacity for relationship like that? What's the the value or the personal practices that you put in place to maintain relational capacity? Yeah, I think it's super important. Um, I I think the difference between leadership and management is relationship. Yeah, um, I think that um, I think I think it takes a lot of talent to manage results too. And I, and I, I think we can look at that and say, hey, are we doing the right strategies? Are we doing the right practices? Have, have we established the right ways to talk about it and even measure it? That, there's a lot of talent there. But leadership goes way past that. Uh, leadership isn't just about managing results. It's, it's about empowering people. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, leadership is, it multiplies. Yeah. So relationships is the currency of leadership. That's good. And so if I, don't have space, if I don't have space for relationships, I honestly don't have space for leadership. Um, I think people in short-term situations can accept a decision or accept a perspective without a deep relationship, particularly if they're godly, right? Right. But over time, it's very hard to be able to seriously be led in what in the, in the critical tasks that you're doing, but also um, in who you are and in what you're br- bringing fully to the table. If you don't believe someone actually knows you. Mm-hmm. They don't buy into you and they don't really believe in you and get you. Yeah. Those are all relational pieces that when it's in place, I think people feel very free and you mm-hmm. get the best versions of who they are. That's and good. for me, relationship is, is vital to leadership. Because honestly, what I want to see happen in the kingdom of God is to multiply as many really godly leaders like you. Mm-hmm. as we possibly can in every generation to see God's kingdom grow. Yeah. So what are some of the things that you personally do to maintain that capacity for those relationships? What are some of the things that you have to intentionally have in place oh, yeah. 
so that you can invest in that way in people as you do, because I've seen you. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's, there's a handful of things that I've found to be helpful over time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think lots of people can do it a lot of different ways. And so I think, I think, and there's people who do this way better than me, but the things in my life that I've had to do is I've had to realize that my relationships have to be highly intentional. Mm-hmm. Meaning um, I have to think about who God is asking me to invest in. And honestly, that it, it, in my life, uh, that becomes right now leaders of leaders. Mm-hmm. Meaning um, if you're not leading leaders who are leading people, um, I, I probably... Uh, just because the scarcity of time, um, I need to let someone else lead you, and yeah. which is fine, right? Because there's tons of great leaders. Mm-hmm. But for me right now, that's kind of the criteria that I look for. But then I try to intentionally prioritize my life. And I try to really say, where is God calling me to be alone with him? Mm-hmm. Um, my most important relationship, right? Yep. Um, and then be with my wife and my kids. But then beyond that, I know the most significant contribution I'm going to make in my life is my relationships with people who are actually moving the kingdom of God forward. Yeah. So I have to prioritize them and I, and I prioritize them in prayer. So every day I'm thinking about those people. And um, I knew Chuck Colson. That's a name you may or may not know, but he was, uh, he, he was one of the most prominent uh, Christian writers and thinkers uh, a couple decades ago. Okay. The thing that blew me away with Chuck was as I got to know him more and more, he kept an index card in his pocket with about 15 names on it. And those were the people that he prayed for and that he was investing in. And at any given time, he would pull that index card out and think about them or pray for them, whether he was in a taxi mm. and text them, or he, or he would even pick up the phone and just call them. Mm-hmm. And I would be blown away uh, when Chuck would give me a call. And, and that was always one you answered, right? Cause yeah. <laughs> so um, and you grab it and he was so current on me. Yeah. And I'm like, how in the world is that possible? And right. I remember realizing that he was so intentional to be praying and to be thinking. And so I think that's a huge part of that. Mm-hmm. There's also a part in, in particularly in the people that we're very proximate to, what do they need? Mm-hmm. Because leaders need different things in different seasons, right? Right. Like when you're right at the beginning, you kind of need everything. Um, but you, but a lot of times then you'll enter a season where you actually don't want people to give you things. You want to try it on your own mm-hmm. and you, what you really need is somebody that's going to give you permission and is going to be there if it doesn't go as amazing as you think Yeah, right? and they don't condemn you and they're not, but they're giving you the freedom to try that without handing you the, the complete keys to everything yet. Right. And mm-hmm. so the next phase of that, you're going to need somebody who is able to coach you without smothering you and is who's going to be able to relate with you and draw out the best things. And honestly, call out some things that aren't maybe a strength mm-hmm. and you can start to work on. And I think at different phases, it becomes really different. And for a lot of the leaders that I lead, they're accomplished and they don't need any of those things from me really anymore. Mm-hmm. They really just need to know that somebody loves them and cares about them, believes in them, and can, can honestly echo the very heart of the father for them. So what wisdom or encouragement would you give? Cause I love that you use the word intentionality and that example with the index card, that's so relevant. I know sometimes, at least for me personally, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners can relate to this, but when something is 
intentional. It can feel like it's not authentic, authentic or organic. I know I've caught myself thinking that like, oh my gosh, I should be better at this. If I have to make a list of the people that I want to remember to pray for, then that's not organic. It's not heartfelt. It's not authentic. But I think that intentionality and authenticity don't have to be mutually exclusive. And a lot of times for someone like me, you know, when you do have so much mental capacity taken up, that intentionality matters, but it doesn't take away authenticity. What, how would you talk about that? How would you speak into that a little bit? No, I think that's great. Um, I, I would say I would agree with you. And, and part of that is I would, I would differentiate between uh, intentionality, authenticity, and spontaneity. Mm. Those are different. Okay. So if, if I think that authenticity speaks to, am I being real with you right now? Like, are you getting the real me? And am I telling you what's actually like what's happening outside is what's happening inside. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's a sense for people it, where if, if you're not authentic, man, this ends pretty fast. Right. Right. Even if the relationship doesn't end, the the openness of our heart ends. And we're and we start to protect ourselves and we start to guard against that person. And we start to say, I'll receive some things from you, but mostly tactical things or task-oriented things or or wisdom, like on how I do my job things, but I'm not gonna really receive your heart for me because I'm not sure I can trust it. And frankly, for most of us, we've been hurt before. Mm-hmm. And we're like, I'm not doing that again. Um, I think that's different than the idea of spontaneity or uh, intentionality. Um, I think people love spontaneity because it feels um, it feels more real, though it doesn't necessarily have to be. Um, so, like when I'm, if I'm, I, one of the things I do often in the mornings is I'll write emails or notes to people, um, and I'll, or text them. And so I'll take a, my prayer time and there'll be all kinds of things that come out of that prayer time that I'm praying for people. Hmm. And I'll just have a text like, Hey man, I was just sitting here this morning praying for you. And you know what popped into my mind? And I'll just tell them, and I mean, have an awesome day or man, just know I'm with you in this. I know you were sharing that with me. And the reality is, yes, that was highly intentional, but my language was incredibly relational. Yeah. And, and it, it created space in the present mm-hmm. uh, because we experience each other only in the present. And so if we can, if we can create that thing versus me saying, Hey, you know, I take time every single day and, and I, there's 15 people I think through and, and you're one of them. And so as I was forcing myself to think about you today, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Um, and so I think there's a sense of where, Hey, if we can just live in the present with God and people. Mm-hmm. Even if it's intentional, yeah. I think it is incredibly welcomed. And, and we start to realize that, um, yeah, that was an honest moment. Like that was real. And, and that's powerful, I think. That's really good. That's encouraging. It's encouraging for me. Um, and I love that distinction between intentional and spontaneous and, and how those two can kind of marry together. So yeah, that was really good. Thank you. So one of the things that Freddie had mentioned to me, um, Pastor Freddie Villarreal, who is our connection point, that he had really been struck by. And I don't know if you did this with the team or if this was something that Freddie experienced with you, but he talked about this stool 
this three-legged stool and how it was this model um, uh, for leadership that you had either talked to him about or trained him in. But when he was describing it to me, my first thought was, I have to have Scott share this with us. So tell me about the the stool. And I don't, I'm not even going to try to approach it because I'll mess it up. Um, so you tell us about this three-legged stool and, and how does this benefit us as leaders no matter what context we're serving them. Sure. For, for me, um, it was born out of um, tons of leadership conversations where I realized that people, particularly uh, in, in, the, in, a, in, a, in a church or in a, in a Christian setting for leadership, have radically different views of what leadership is. Mm-hmm. And I, I would be, I was having so many conversations where it would seem like we're talking about the same things, but we really weren't. And so I started to think about that. And I started to talk about people. And this was years ago. And I realized there were some streams in that. There was a sense of some people that just really saw leadership in spiritual terms. Mm-hmm. That, that Christian leadership is about praying for people or it's about uh, really being able to have a Bible verse ready at every moment to have a, a little bit of wisdom for someone. And they rejected other types of leadership as a very worldly way mm-hmm. in which to do that. I was in other circles where it was the exact opposite, where people were saying, man, the church has lost its ability to really understand leadership. And we need to import leadership ideas from the marketplace. And particularly, you know, uh, a couple decades ago, that was really, really strong. And so for about 20 years, that was a major piece of that. But the things that I saw was as we did that, we were missing some things and we were reinterpreting our theology through a leadership lens. Mm -hmm. And then we also saw people who largely just saw relationships as the way of leading. Yeah. But if I'm just a good person relationally, if I can get you to like me enough, you'll do what I want you to do. Mm -hmm. And so part of that was we just said, I think those are all pretty insufficient. And so when we start to have that conversation, we need to actually say, uh, what do we think leadership actually is? And, and from a Christian standpoint, from a kingdom standpoint, for me, uh, we do talk about a stool that has kind of three legs. So, that, And the idea behind that is if you're sitting on a stool that has three legs and you take any one of them away, what happens? It right? collapses. Yes, yes. It's not a good day. That's right. Yeah. It's <laughs> no, it's a good day. And even if you shorten one of those legs, mm. don't fall, it's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. You recognize discomfort. And so for us, we just say what kingdom leadership is, is there's three legs to that. There's a spiritual leg, a relational leg, and a missional leg. And that the spiritual leg is, is really that we lead uh, with heaven, like we lead with God. And there's a sense of where we allow God to confer direction, culture, and blessing to what we lead. And we take time to do that alone and together. And without the spiritual leg of kingdom leadership, we're limited to our own ability and our own wisdom and our own strength. And there's a relational leg. That's where we lead with people. And relational leadership inspires uh, influence and access and favor with people. And without the relational leg of kingdom leadership, people are uh, largely scattered and they are, uh, they're not focused around the leader. And so they need that relational pieces of that. And then there's a missional leg that's leading into the mission. 
And missional leadership builds focus, momentum, and empowerment that we need to pursue our mission. And without it, the kingdom uh, leadership of God's people doesn't come together to really serve the mission of God and often can serve ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so, but if those three things are in place, and if we really teach people how to do them, the power of that is, is undeniable because mm-hmm. there's a God dynamic, there's a people dynamic, and there's a mission dynamic. And so from our standpoint, we teach that model and be able to say, listen, all of us know that we're going to probably naturally excel in one of those, maybe mm-hmm. two, right? Yep. Which means two things. We're going to have to, one, learn to excel enough in the other. Mm-hmm to be able to have a stable leadership platform. And the higher up we go, the greater responsibility that we are given in a a group or an organization, the less latitude we have to not have one of these. Right. Because like if you're, you know, if you're leading a team of 10 people, you can get away with some things. If Mm -hmm. you're leading uh, a large uh, group of churches across, uh, you know, an expanse of, of maybe the Midwest, you probably don't have a lot of latitude there anymore. And mm-hmm. people are going to be expecting to see you be able to do all of that. And the other is uh, not only to grow in that, but also to find people who have different strengths than you. Right. Be able to put them around you, but in the same model. So that they're they're also growing in all three. And we can agree on what leadership is, but we can also know that we can complement each other a little bit and create a very, very strong team. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? It does. It makes perfect sense. I think, uh, so a couple questions come to mind. The first one is, what do you feel, how do you translate this? And it's, you know, it's the same spiritual, relational, missional, of course. Um, But for someone who's not leading in a church context, so still a, a Christian leader, a leader of faith. And I think that's, you know, that's one of the things that we're constantly thinking about for the table is we know that we are building a community of leaders that are coming from all walks of life. You know, we do have church leaders. We also have business owners. We have, um, family leaders. We have active duty military in our midst. And so they're leading in different contexts, but they're all leaders of faith. You know, they're all people who say, my mission field is where my feet are planted right now, whether that's in the shop that I run or the base that I'm assigned to or the home, you know, that I live in with my family. And so they, they see the mission field around them. Um, so how would you take this and kind of translate it? What does it look like to lead out of each of these three yeah. legs in a context that may not be a church context? Uh, let's, let's take it all the way to the, to a point of where we have a Christian leader who is serving in a marketplace context that doesn't support their Christian faith. Let's yeah. just, I would say that the spiritual leg needs to be a private leg for them mm-hmm. at that point in time, because the relational and missional legs of that would stand pretty strongly. Because right you're going to need relationships and you're going to have a clear mission that, that, that the group is on in order, order to be able to succeed. But for them, there may need to be time in their life that they're setting aside, whether that's weekly or, or daily to really hear from God about their leadership. Mm-hmm. About their team. Um, and to be able to say, God, what do you want to import into this? How can, how can your wisdom make me greater than I could be myself? How can your favor and your blessing enter into what I'm doing, that it's not just my strength, but it's your strength. And then we don't always get to everything we want in those contexts, right? Particularly if we're not in charge. Um, 
but the most that we can honor God and the most that we can bring that in, and I think then lead in a posture um, that fits his mold without necessarily calling out his name. Right. And, and at that point, um, it also is a posture where like Joseph uh, in scripture and Daniel in scripture were not in Christian environments, not even environments that were uh, conducive to the, to the God of the Bible, but wrote uh, due to leadership because they were hearing from God and they were able to bring that to bear. So I, I, I do think those are tough things. And I, and, um, and this is something that I still think can, can be, be powerful for Mm -hmm. us. That's good. Um, and I love that you mentioned Daniel and Joseph too. And I think we see in each of them, you know, like you mentioned, um, even though they were serving in environments that weren't, you know, what we would equate to a church environment today, the way that they leaned into that spiritual leg of things. I mean, that was really the, the strong leg that affected the others. It affected their ability to build key critical relationships and to do the the kingdom mission that they were called to. Those are great examples, I think, for anybody that's listening that says, yeah, I'm not serving in a church context. That's who we need to be looking at. Go study Daniel, go study Joseph. I think that was great wisdom. The other question I have is when we identify one of these legs that is our weak point, what are some of the practical ways that you would recommend we grow them? And we can kind of just walk through, you know, if the spiritual leg is my weak point, the relational leg, the missional leg, what are a couple things that you might say are some starting points for us to begin really working those muscles? Um, I think, I think like if, if we could take the spiritual one first. Um, yeah. Thing that has been helpful for me uh, in that is whether it's a marketplace leadership, whether it's church-based leadership, whether it's just informal leadership. Um, if we're if we're followers of Jesus, uh, the question we want to ask is, what does it look like uh, for God's will on earth to be done as it is in heaven in this thing right here, right mm-hmm. now? So, uh, you know, I'm a mom and I'm trying to lead my, my, my kids who are not necessarily being fully cooperative with me right now. Right? <laughs> oh, I can relate to that one. Yeah, I, was, I know that never happened to anybody else's family, but in, in <laughs> our family, that, that, that is, that's actually a real thing. So uh, what does that actually look like uh, for God's will to happen on earth as is in heaven and these kids right now? Hmm. Uh, you could be, you could be uh, in a company that is thriving financially, but you're uncomfortable morally. Mm. And you're sitting there and you're like, I really don't know what to do with this. The first step may be to say, you know what? I really don't even know what exactly is God's will. Like, yeah. like if, if this company did that in this thing right now, like what would that even be? And I think it's important to spend time with God to discern that on, on the things that were, that were, that are in front of us. Mm-hmm. And for me, I have found that there are four things that often get in the way of God's will being on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah. And one of those things is sin, right? We, mm-hmm. we, we tend to not always cooperate with God or not see it the same way or go a different way. And, and the antidote to that is obedience, right? And yeah. so the, the question then becomes, if sin is an issue, if you discern that that's the stopping point, what does obedience look like? Like, what would be the pattern of obedience that I need to have in the midst of it? You know, sometimes it's just um, doubt or fear, right? Mm-hmm. We could be in a situation. It's not necessarily that we're sinning or we're doing something wrong, but that we're experiencing doubt or fear. And we're just like, man, I don't know that I have the courage to act on what I, God wants me to do. And in those moments, the antidote to that is, is faith, right? 
Yeah. And the Bible talks about what does it really look like to have faith and to trust God in that. Sometimes the enemy, right, gets involved. Mm-hmm. And we know we're under spiritual attack. And, um, and the reality in the midst of that is authority that the Bible talks about. How do we learn to take mm-hmm. authority over the enemy? And lastly, we can ourselves kind of get in the way of this. And we can become self-centered and self-oriented. And we live in our own power. And we live in our own, uh, own wisdom. And that's where prayer comes in. And so when we look at that, those four things of prayer, obedience, authority, and faith, are fundamental, fundamental in overcoming the areas that can hinder us. Mm-hmm. And when we actually get a handle on that and can start to lead out of that, we start to actually see God's will on earth as it is in heaven. And so that's the spiritual piece yeah. of that. That's uh, good. The relational piece, I mean, I think is when you look at the people around you, um, there are some best practices. I mean, that I, I think relationship wise, uh, we have, right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think all of us have a paradigm of relationship. I think all of us have a, a sense of what does that look like? But, you know, questions that we'll ask is, you know, like I, one of the, I always ask myself, am I fully present? Yeah. People know when you're not right. I mean, they really do. And whether I'm talking to somebody that I bump into in a store or whether I am in a meeting uh, around a table about a topic that has long since left to throw me, right? That I, I'm just, I'm, I'm sitting in this and my, my attention is no longer there. Am I fully present? Um, because people deserve me to be fully present. Um, it, I also have realized that God only exists in the present. And so God is, is existing for us and in our present, and if we are going to recognize his moments with us, it's going to be when we are present with God and each other. Mm. So being fully present is a big deal. Uh, I am also a huge believer in calling out what's good. I love to catch things that when people are doing something right. I, I weigh more than wrong. I, I am a huge believer in that. Um, I love to walk through our campuses when I'm there on a weekend. I try to get there a little before our services start. And I love to walk through and just talk to people who are serving and catch them doing something great and something extraordinary. There was a woman uh, last week, we were just, we're, we're, we got a, one of our campuses into their first building and they're very excited and they're learning all about that. And I saw this young woman at this table and it was a, a gift table for uh, uh, little boys and little girls who don't have a mom or dad to do something for them for Christmas. And honestly, I'm guessing most of her job was administrative. Like it was probably like, hey, can you make sure everybody gets what they need? She went so above and beyond that. She was so engaged with every single person. She learned their kids' names. She was talking to their kids. She had a backstory on some of these boys and girls. And she was helping them to be able to have a phenomenal experience actually doing something that God would want them to do. And I just walked over to her and I just said, man, you are doing an amazing job. Like you blow me away. And I'm like, where did you learn to do that? And she had a chance to tell me a little bit of her story and I got a chance to spend time with her, but it was huge for her to have somebody notice that. Absolutely. And, that out. and I also think like, um, I, I'm a huge believer in, in humility. Um, I, I, I honestly think that we are way less impressive than we imagine. 
That's good. I, I feel like that just needs to be one that we just pause on for a second. We are way less impressive than we imagine. Yeah. Uh, we make mistakes every day. Yeah. We see in part and understand in part. We can come into a group or an environment and we can imagine we've got it all. And we can imagine we know what we're doing. And even what's worse is our identity gets wrapped up in our performance. Yep. And even when we know we don't have it all together, we can't possibly admit that because we're admitting then a a poor identity around ourselves. Mm. And the reality is if we can accept that we're pretty broken vessels, we leave a lot to be desired and that we are better off when we're able to just call that out and be with people uh, from a humble posture. I just think things go way, way, way better. And when a group of people can do that, when that can get cultivated in that, um, I think really remarkable things can happen because that's a point where we can actually experience each other in a way that is real and that, and that can allow us to do things that we couldn't do before. So that, I think, being trustworthy, right? Yeah. I, I think that's a big deal relationally. We live in a time where that's not a high commodity. Right. Um, we have, we have so glamorized, uh, being slick or excellent that we often don't realize that trustworthy can actually be the most important thing we can be. Yeah. Um, and so I think being plain spoken and forthright, uh, not having innuendo or hidden agendas or any of those things is a, is a huge deal. So I could go on and on, but relationally it's those types of ideas mm-hmm. that, when they transition from idea to habit to way of life become something that people can count on and flourish in the midst of your leadership. Leaders are like a great big tree and they allow birds to rest in them. They allow shade for people. They allow a, they're a gathering point of protection and a provision. And when, when, when we understand that and we realize the relational pieces of this is us spreading our branches Hmm. and becoming uh, a trusted, present, good, humble place for people to come. That's a powerful thing. Wow. And then, honestly, from a missional perspective, an organizational perspective, um, we talk about five things, and we just say, hey, man, if you're going to actually do the the mission piece of this, like, you got five things, Mm -hmm. and you can't, like, pick four, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) And here's what they are. You need to carry the culture well. Mm-hmm. Every single one of us is a culture bearer. And we always say that culture eats strategy for breakfast. Yeah. And so it is all the unwritten rules that people remember mm-hmm. and will imitate. Uh, the, if you have to write it down and put it up on a wall in order for people to remember it, you've already lost. Yeah. Uh, the signs that you want are the people who you're leading. Mm-hmm. They're the billboard for you. And they're going to determine the culture. So we got to carry our culture. Second, we have to set direction, meaning people need to have a clear set of priorities and a clear sense of their role. They need to know what they're responsible for. They need to know the decisions that are theirs, and they need to be able to do that. Third, you need to generate momentum. Uh, We need to be inspiring people. We need to be people who know how to create a momentum where people actually want to be where we are. Um, there, there's a sense of, of where, you know, John Maxwell always says, you know, if you're, if you're leading and nobody's following, right, you're just taking a walk. And mm-hmm. there's, there's truth in that. Um, there's a sense of followership that people, uh, always, always want to be around somebody that is filled with, with vision and value 
is able to call out victory and has a vitality around them. And we talk about those four things with respect to momentum. Mm-hmm. And then, so they need to be able to carry culture, set direction, generate momentum and organize change because nothing ever goes right. Yep. <laughs> uh, and then lastly, we need to develop leaders. We need to be able to multiply ourselves. And so yeah. those five things, if you can, if you can learn to be able to do those five things, you can lead the missional piece of what you're doing, no matter where you are, or what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And it's not really a whole lot more complicated than that. That's really good. I love too the one that stands out to me the most that you included at the end there that that fifth component is multiplying other leaders that we're multiplying ourselves, you know, that we are essentially leading ourselves out of a job because no matter how well we're doing everything else, all of the pieces of the spiritual leg, all the pieces of the relational leg, all of the other pieces of the missional leg at a certain point, if we haven't invested in and developed somebody else, when we're done, everything is done. Right. And, and so often, you know, I, I see that in the way that we are failing to develop and disciple others for whatever reason it may be, you know, whether it's a scarcity mindset or um, imposter syndrome, or just not realizing the importance and the value of that, that really the, the most important thing that we can do as a leader is to invest in and develop the next generation of leaders. And I don't necessarily mean that by age, but you know, the, the next leader that's, that's coming behind us, it's critical. And if we don't, we can never take an opportunity without hurting the organization. You're going to be in a position where you can never let go of what you have in order to reach for something that you're probably now ready for without actually things falling apart or other things being hurt. We're in an organization that multiplies leaders. You can Yeah, that's good. That's really good. This has been so, so helpful. I've been jotting notes down the whole time. I feel like I want to listen to it again for myself just to examine my own leadership in this season. Um, It'd be really great if this was in a book that I could get my hands on. Is that, is, is that like a potential one day dream or not at all? No, I actually look, I'm looking to start writing in January. Oh, Um, fantastic first time. And so I don't know, I'm going to do a book, but I'm going to definitely do some stuff online and yeah, largely just, uh, people have been asking me to do that for a while. And I, and I think mm-hmm. I just want to, I have some things that I'd love to put on, put down and be able to just see if it's helpful or not. Oh, I think that's great. You've got so much to share. Um, speaking of books, two final things that I want to ask you, because I honestly, you know, I believe that we never stop learning as leaders, we never stop growing. There's never a place where we really arrive. And so one of the questions that I have for you is what are some of the ways that you are continuing to grow and invest in yourself? Who speaks into your life? What are some of the practices and and habits that you have? How are you continuing to learn and grow as a leader right now? Yeah. Um, I, I think for me, um, there's a couple of things that I'm doing. I, I realized a couple of years ago that I needed to invest in myself spiritually more than what I was. Mm-hmm. And so um, there's, I, I gathered together some uh, other leaders from around the country. Um, and we actually get together uh, via Zoom uh, mm-hmm. on a regular basis. And we pray for each other and we hear about how each other's lives are going and spend time uh, in that sense. And so I felt from a leadership standpoint, that was really needed for me. Uh, I just was kind of, I felt like um, in pouring out, I needed to have something pouring in uh, in that too. From a a more um, 
leadership, a generalized leadership perspective, more missional leg of that. Um, I think that I learn and grow every time I meet young leaders who are innovating. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the fringe of leadership is the most exciting. Uh, it's where innovation comes from. Uh, yeah. Innovation rarely ever comes from the center. Uh, normally, you've got to fight your way to the fringe to people that very few people know who are actually risking everything on a crazy idea that they're completely convinced is going to work. And I think those people are inspiring to me and I love to be around them and I love to listen to them and I love to catch their passion. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'd catch a flight across the country just to hang out with somebody like that. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, And so the other thing I want to ask you is what are you reading right now? Yeah. What am I reading right now? I am actually, uh, I'm reading um, a whole bunch of books on prayer. I kind of just decided that I needed to reinvigorate. Uh, some of my thinking around that. And mm-hmm. so I, I picked out um, 12 books actually that are come from different perspectives. And I'm like, I'm just going to take time and read a book a week and then pray about what was in the book. And so I'm doing that right now. It's actually great. I'm actually really, really, really enjoying that. Awesome. Um, yeah. It's been, a, it's been a phenomenal uh, few weeks for me uh, as, as I kind of foray into that. So that's what I'm reading right now. That's cool. Really cool. Um, the the final thing that I, I want to ask, because I know, you know, just how much you really do listen, listen to the Lord and, and share that. And I, I cannot um, describe how many times you and your team, because you, you came down to Virginia before and you brought team with you and um, all of them were just, they had, you know, obviously one ear to us and one ear to heaven. And we're just so quick to, to share what they were hearing. And it was really encouraging and uplifting for us. If you could share one final piece of um, maybe prophetic encouragement with our listeners, knowing that, you know, they're coming from a lot of different places. Some of them are, are newly venturing into this uh, world of leadership um, which of course comes with a lot of questions and doubts and anxieties and insecurities and imposter syndrome. We've got those who have been in it for a while, um, who I, I get emails from regularly who are trying to find the will and the you know strength to keep going in the difficult seasons. And, and we've got those who are in just seasons of real health and growth and harvest right now. And so knowing that there's kind of a, a wide spectrum of leaders is there any anything you've got a sense of that um, that you would want to leave us with today? Yeah, uh, I think just honestly thinking as you were talking here, what came into my mind um, was David. Mm. And honestly, uh, when when Samuel selects him, he is the youngest and the least. And I think well, he became one of the greatest leaders in Israel's history. And I think for a lot of us, we can be so quick to disqualify ourselves. Mm-hmm. And we can be so quick to say, well, it can't be me. God wouldn't pick me. Or this, the whole idea, there's got to be a leader that conforms to what the world says a leader ought to be way more than me. And it might be true, but that's not how God sees it. And I think the longer I do this leadership thing, the more I become absolutely convinced that people who can honestly get out of their own way and be willing to serve God and be a servant to others, God will lead them and God will provide powerful leadership through them. Whether that's a mom who's looking at these little kids and honestly, 
mothering and fathering is discipleship. Mm-hmm. And the power of your household is going to be in the release of your children. And you are, you are discipling a, the next generation of people who are going to do great things. I think for somebody in the marketplace, you could feel like, man, I don't fit the mold. Even my company wants. Mm. But God maybe placed you there. And he is giving you favor with these people, even though you think, man, I, I don't fit in. Maybe God doesn't want you to fit in. Maybe mm. God wants you to change the mold of what's there. Um, you know, I think for people who are trying to lead in church and figure that out, that can be daunting. You know, I remember the first time I did it, I was horrible. Oh my gosh. I, I, I couldn't figure that out for the life of me. Um, it seemed like everybody had a language that I didn't understand and they had so much Bible knowledge. And I'm like, what in the world am I doing here? Hmm. And I realized years later that it was far less about that. And far more about just an honesty, authenticity, and a faithfulness of showing up and actually believing that God is who he says he is, and he's going to do what he says he's going to do. And I get to be part of it today. And I think people who can do that over time, we can't judge God's power in our lives over 10 minutes. We need to give him a shot at, at actually doing something over a couple years. Mm-hmm. And if we can hang with him on that consistently, we will find we will find that God will do a remarkable thing in us, but also through us in the people around us. So that's my thought. That's good. That's really good. And I'm, I'm just, I'm believing that, um, that that's going to resonate with multiple people who are listening. So I just want to say again, Scott, thank you so much. I know your time is valuable and it really means the world that, um, that you would do this, that you would come and talk with us, your, your wisdom and, and your heart. Um, continues to be one that just really inspires me. You know, I, I tell Mike all the time, my husband, I say, I, I want to be like Scott when I grow up. I want to, <laughs> I want to be really wise and really humble and love God and love people as much as he obviously does. And so it's just been such a gift to have you today. Thank you. You've been great. Thanks for doing this. And Sion, I'm so proud of you and I love what you're doing. You are a gift. listening to the Table Leadership Podcast. Be sure to check out the show notes for links to the resources that were discussed at the table today and to connect with today's guest. Remember to subscribe to the Table Podcast and follow along on social media at the Table Leadership. Visit thetableleadership.com to learn more about current courses and coaching opportunities. And finally, you can connect with me, your host, at cionedgerton.com or on social media at cionedgerton. I look forward to the next time that you pull up a seat at the table.